Jillian Pensavalli. Patrick, hi. Hi, girl. Hi. I was so excited to watch a documentary kind of about art today. I know. No murder. <laughs> or like dead children. Right. Or any kind of abuse. I know. It was really, it was lovely. Really, really great. Thank you, weird art people. <laughs> what are we talking about today? We're talking about Exit Through the Gift Shop. Exit Through the Gift Shop. The documentary that I resisted watching forever because I thought I was going to hate it. And the only true crime podcast to cover. I know. Exit Through the Gift Shop. And it's totally crimey. It, to- it so is. Normally, this is where we would play the promo for the movie. But the thing about the promo for this movie is that it's all title cards. So there's nothing. You would just be weird, like, punk rock, like, trendy music. So we'll just tell you that this is a movie about a guy who was making a documentary about, like, street artists, including the very famous Banksy. And then Banksy sort of decided to turn the cameras and make a documentary about this guy. Right. What's his name? His name is Terry Garetta. <laughs> the film is uh, the story of what happened when this guy tried to make a documentary about me, but he was uh, actually a lot more interesting than I am. So um, now the film is kind of about him. I mean, it's not gone with the wind, but there's probably a moral in there somewhere. The first question I have on my paper is, can you please give us your first impressions of Terry Greta? Well, can I say one thing? Can I just say just a blanket thing before we continue? I enjoy this documentary. I like street art. Like, I'm down for Same-sies. it. I grew up in New York, and I there was a time where I knew skateboarders. So, like, I know about street art, you guys. <laughs> I no, was in kidding. love with skateboarders, by the way. Um, so, I, but I, what I resent about documentaries like this is that it's kind of like... Am I being, is this an, an elaborate prank? Right. Is this, so it takes, it's like, it, there, there's a shift in my brain as I'm watching it where yeah. I'm like, I don't want to get too invested because it's somewhere Banksy's laughing at me right. <laughs> because he tricked me and him and Shepard Ferry are like in on this together and they're out to get us. Quick side story. Oh my God. Okay. So I texted you this today. We have an actual original Shepard Ferry hanging in our living room. I like threw my phone <laughs> and I was like, what? And no, we're not rich and we aren't fancy art people, but we lived in Boston when Shepard Ferry was like really prolifically tagging the city. Here at a random abandoned pizza shop in South Boston, Shepherd Ferry strikes again. <laughs> One of the greatest living artists tells us all to obey peace. And one of the buildings he tagged in Boston had this like beautiful mural on it. I would walk past it every day on the way to work. And, you know, one day, like, you know, weeks later, you'll come to find out in the documentary that like the thing about street art is that it falls apart. It breaks down. People steal it. It was just falling off. It was peeling off the side of this building. And my husband, Steve, just like ripped off this part of it. I mean, he texted me to find out about the ethics. He's like, do you think I should? I was like, do it. Someone else is going to do it if you don't. Yeah. Shepard Ferry doesn't give a shit. No. And so, he defaced property. Exactly. I, as someone who's like, I think what he does is really cool. Like, yeah, that's totally. That's at the core of it. And But Steve, of course, ripped it in the most perfect way. It looks like you paid $100,000 for it. It's awesome. We're going to we're gonna post a picture of yeah, it. Yeah, we'll put a picture of it on the website. It's awesome. Look at this. It's amazing as usual. It's absolutely amazing. Every little square inch of it. So it opens with Terry Goretta and it's just about he's like this just like French dude who, it, of course, very conveniently always has a camera and is filming his entire life. I don't know how the video camera came to my hand, but I know the moment came inside my hand. I couldn't live, let it down ever. It was like more than any drugs to anybody. It was obsession. And the thing about... 
Terry is that he is the ultimate documentarian. I mean, everything. There's like a montage and it's like Terry taking a piss and fu- <laughs> like he filmed everything. Which you don't want to like, give us like a 30 second rundown about like what you're just your your take on this dude. Well, I, I mean, I think he's a, he's ridiculous. <laughs> I think he's just so it's just like is there anything more self-indulgent than you recording yourself taking a piss in a right in, a, in your toilet like totally. that I'm, that's not art I was filming and filming myself filming it didn't stop it just didn't stop and then it's like you know he's stalking celebrities and it's like well, Leno and Shaq and Oasis <laughs> and I was trying to figure out who that British guy was Oasis okay it was Nolan Liam Gallagher he like meets him on the sidewalk somewhere why don't you go film someone else? Yeah, no, I do. Right? I do. Why don't you go and do it now? Because uh, it's not every day that I see. And of course, like, the Gallaghers don't take any shit from each other, especially, but they don't take it from anybody else My either. favorite part of this whole thing, though, is, like, in the very beginning when we meet his wife. And I know. Because you look at her, and she is just, like, dutiful. And yeah. she's definitely, like, you can tell that she spends her time putting up with his bullshit and wrangling him he's a child he's a kid with like a beard and long hair and wears a stupid hat and he's probably super fun to be around but like you can tell that she's just like what every morning she wakes up and she's like what crazy shit is gonna happen today yeah now and also get that goddamn camera out of my face for four (laughs) seconds even taking pictures he would do it like you know like he was using even the picture camera like he would use a video camera I uh, was pretty much obsessed. He filmed constantly tapes and tapes and tapes. They also own a vintage clothing store. This is my favorite part. Is like, Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> they own a vintage clothing store and he's like, I don't know. I take a shirt for 50 I buy for $50. I sell it for $5,000. I rich. I used to take things that when the sewing was different, I call it designer. And I put the price that it's $400. So from $50, sometime I could make $5,000. Speaking of ripping ripping people off, let's talk about art. Okay. Okay, so in 1999, he takes his camera and he goes on a trip to France. Now, indulge me for one second. This man seems to have absolutely no problem just ditching his family for extended periods of time. Well, it's for the sake of the art, Patrick. (laughs) He's got to go where the camera leads him. So what happens on this trip to France? So here's the thing. So we learn, we talk about and to several artists in this. Shepard Ferry, who is also known as the Obey Giant. You guys know he did the Andre the Giant thing yeah. with Obey and the Obama Hope image. That was all yeah. Shepard Ferry. And uh, Banksy, of course, which like needs no introduction. Yeah. But Space Invader was, I remember, do you remember seeing Space Invader? I do. Work around the city? It's one of those things where I feel like I... I don't know. I think I remember it, but I don't know if I remember it just because I know about it. Yeah. So Space Invader is someone who would take the old, um, like the colored parts of the Rubik's Cube and make the actual like old Space Invader video game looking aliens and just put them all around cities all over the world. Yeah. So Terry's like, oh, this is, Space Invader is my cousin. Conveniently, this guy is his cousin. Guys, there's a lot of questions about the authenticity of this so movie. So many questions. Yeah. So I filmed him. It was kind of fun because he was like doing some towel, very small, and putting it in on top of couple building. And I thought he was really nice to put some stuff that you love, something that you, you want to express yourself and put it outside and people can see it. The thing is, this is where we start to see Terry falling in love with um, street art. Yeah. And he is talking about how, like, he's following all through Space Invader. He's meeting all these different people. Their names, of course, are crazy, like Andre and Zeus and whatever. Right. Andre's not a crazy name. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, mm, 
He said he starts to say that he starts to see a gallery outside. I like to capture those people because I thought it was nice what they were doing, and uh, and and they really believe it. You know, they really loved it. And so what he's he's talking about how like he loves the danger of it. He loves the aspect that they might get arrested. He loves being out all night, running around town, like videoing these guys. Um, and so you see him sort of getting drawn into this world. Yeah, because a lot of it has to be done at night. And it's also interesting to see how much of it is done during the day where it's like how how it's right. sort of a little statement on how people in big cities just really don't give a shit about what's happening. Or around Disneyland. Them. Or Disneyland. <laughs> oh, which we'll get to. Um, but it is this whole documentary is basically like a commercial for how cool street art is. And it is so cool. Uh, it's so cool. And they have like the cameras that, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I also my favorite thing was when we meet Shepard Ferry in the and he's just on the floor at Kinko's. When I came, I came with the camera and I started filming. So how long have you been doing this? Ten and a half years. Oh yeah? Yeah. Oh, it's a lot of paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? I film. So Shepard Ferry, with his like perfect River Phoenix face, I know, he's and so his cute. like James Franco lips, <laughs> and like, but there's nothing more two thousands in the entire world than like a famous street artist on his hands and knees at Kinkos. Right. I mean, and these things are f- like gigantic. They're not yeah. like a couple inches by a couple inches. It's like ten feet by totally. ten feet, and he's printing out all the things. And there's nobody at Kinkos that's like, hey man, like what? <laughs> no, Kinkos was where you would go to steal a stapler and like a handful of paper clips. Yeah, or just make sure you have the card. In. In the time card so that they don't get a 30 seconds of their precious time stolen. So what did you do here? You don't know? Uh, oh, you knew the guy. Funny looking. No. Oh, yeah? You didn't know? No, I didn't know. Do you think he's dead or? Oh, he's dead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's also like, oh, you don't have to like blur my face or right. like, so he's like I'm this is who Ferry. I am. Like he's yeah. totally, totally cool with that. Yeah. Now the idea now is that he's going to follow Shepard Ferry around. Right. right. And so who do we meet? Who does, who does, who does Shepard Ferry introduce us to? His amazing girlfriend <laughs> or significant other. No, it's his wife. His wife. She has the same last name. It's either his wife or his sister. Or his mother. <laughs> she's like, she's. Like 22 years old. I love her. What does she What does she have to say about her man? Look, there's one rule. <laughs> there's one rule in the fairy household, okay? If you're not home by 2 o'clock, you have to call. And if you don't? You get beat and you sleep on the couch. <laughs> yes! 2 o'clock, if he's going to be out past 2 o'clock, he needs to call at 2. Okay. I make him. Yeah. Otherwise, he gets beat and he sleeps on the couch. I'm yes. going to institute that rule in this fairy household. <laughs> <laughs> Did you workshop that one? No. That was great. You hit that one out of the park. Oh, man. I loved her. I thought we were going to see a lot more of her. We don't. All we do, all know, we find out her. later is that she thinks that Terry is weird. Yeah, that's like a consistent thing. She even says, like, I think there's something a little weird about him, but whatever. Amanda always thought that he was weird, but I said, it's great that we're getting a lot of this stuff on tape. The street artists are starting to understand the value in videotaping all this stuff. Right. Because what's starting to happen is that people, regular humans, are starting to understand the value of street art. So mm-hmm. they're putting stuff up and then it's being stolen or destroyed or whatever within Or painted days. over. Or painted like over. the authorities, right. you know, the man, right? The man comes and just <laughs> exactly. puts out all the fun. So Shepard, the thing I also love is that even though Shepard is tolerating him because he sort of needs him, he doesn't like this guy. Like he's so constantly annoyed by him. So he's like, you understand why you can't do that, right? <laughs> Keep your eye out for the cops. I finally did train him to not turn the light on while I was on a billboard or a rooftop or he was going to blow my cover. 
No, 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 don't use that. Yeah. One of the one of the best instances of like him of Shepard just being annoyed with him is when they come to New York and poor Shepard Ferry is like he's on the street like in Chinatown trying to like tag a building and there's like a... in the middle of the day. I know. On a gigantic ladder. Don't film from that side. Film from this side over here. You understand why, right? Because you're gonna attract attention. So what happens? <laughs> he like falls off the ladder. The poor guy. <laughs> But then they go to Paris, and this was, like, crazy, because Terry's talking now about how, like, he's getting into the groove of it, he's understanding his role, and he, like, is following Shepard out a window, like, eight stories I up. But I would do it, because I wanted to show that I could do it. You know, it was not like I'm, I'm downstairs and you upstairs doing your thing and I'm filming, no. They're climbing onto a roof and like Shepard's got like a bucket in his teeth and like they're climbing with a rope. And then Terry's like, oh, but I climbed higher than him. You see him climbing on a telephone pole. Yeah. And I would go even up, up more to have the shot that is, uh, is, uh, is great. Pause for a minute. He's telling all these artists that he's filming this. Yes. For a documentary. But he said it in a way that was like, like Shepard Ferry's like, why are you, why, like it's been 10 months. Why are you, are you still filming me? And he just wants to film these guys. But he's like, uh, I'm making a documentary. Yeah. He's like kind of getting caught a little. Yeah. Because they're starting to wonder, like, you're just a hassle to have around. Like, it's cool (laughs) that you have this footage, but like, I want the footage of myself tagging things too. Exactly. And making street art too. So like, where, like, what is happening here? Exactly. All the tape that I filmed, even if it was good, it was going nowhere. When it was filmed, for me, it was done. It wasn't important how it was made. It was important what he was. He was the capturation. He take Terry takes us into his warehouse. What do we see? Just boxes and boxes and boxes <laughs> and boxes and boxes and boxes of completely unorganized <laughs> videotapes. What do you think he would say about that? God bless this mess. <laughs> and he <laughs> I want that to be our signature. (laughs) (laughs) And he was just like, here's the thing. Like when I film something, it's over. No organization to it. The reason, just real quick too, the reason Terry says that he has this outlook on life is because when he was 11, his mom died. Yeah, we learned some like actually some sad shit about this guy. Yeah, but he didn't know that his mom was sick. So it was kept from him. Yeah. The youngest in a large family. His mother's illness had been kept from Terry, and after her death, the sense that he had missed such an important event stayed with him. So he realized that like, he has to live in every moment and he wants to document things and not have anything really sprung on him again. So if he documents it, he's like, he's in it. Totally. So that that's his motivation for doing that. Every time we talk a little bit more about it, I'm like, this is all bullshit. Well, enter Banksy. Right. <laughs> While this is happening with Terry, and he's all over the world, Banksy is becoming a super famous phenomenon. Yeah, he's very prolific, also, and he does. He's like so. If Shepard Ferry is doing like stickers and stuff, and like and sort of like um, plastering things to walls, like Banksy's like getting famous for his stencils, right? 
Yeah. So the fir- the big thing that really catapults him is the West Bank. Oh my God, art. this is insane. You see military soldiers with rifles right. and people are just like staring at him and he like puts a ladder up and he like tags this wall in broad daylight. He faced Israeli army fire to pull off his latest stunt. Subversive graffiti artist Banksy, who's worked... By targeting the world's most notorious wall, Banksy turned a spot of hit-and-run vandalism into an international news event. Um, so yeah, Terry's like, I'm never going to meet Banksy. Like it's over. It's too, he's he, so elusive. It's just not going to happen. And he's reaching out to all of it. But it's also that thing of like, if anybody in the world has the connections to meet Banksy, it's this guy. Right. Because he knows every street artist and it shouldn't be that hard. Right. He was like the only one that I don't have. And people that used to be in street art, they all tell you, uh, yeah, he doesn't have a phone uh, well, they, they, even if they do have it, they wouldn't give it to me, you know? I didn't know what way that I'm gonna get this person, you know? What angels were gonna bring me to that person. And then, of course, the super narrate narrator. Oh my God, I was gonna ask you about which him. Which we haven't even talked about. Wait, give me, give me the rundown. He's, he, even he says he's like, miraculously, <laughs> in the spring of 2006, <laughs> Terry meets Banksy. And, and then, Miraculously. Can you explain to the people how this ha- how this comes to pass? So, <laughs> Banksy is coming in. Banksy's from the UK, by the way. Yeah. In case, if you guys haven't watched the documentary. So, he has this very... Or you like, live in a cave. Right. Or no that. offense, listeners. Yeah. So, Banksy was on his... Banksy tells the story now. And he's completely in the dark. Literally in the dark. His face is messed up. Oh, yeah. He's got that whole terrifying voice altering thing that gives me nightmares. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a bottle of something brown by his feet. I didn't notice, but you fucking go, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Not not just like a mixture. It's just like, that's a bottle of scotch (laughs) by Banksy's feet. And I... He's like, if I gotta talk about this clown for two hours, there better be cocktails. If I have to act like I'm not a part of this in any way, then I should be hammered If I have to act like Banksy isn't Terry. Come on. Um, So anyway, so Banksy is coming from London to LA and the guy who was supposed to meet him at the airport and sort of like get him settled in secret... He was stopped at immigration, and that's all we know. <laughs> when I got there, the guy that was supposed to be helping me got turned back at immigration. So uh, I rang the only person I knew in Los Angeles and asked them if they could help me. So then he calls around. He calls Shepard Ferry. Right. And he's like, who can help me in L.A.? And Shepard Ferry's like, not me. This guy, Terry. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so then Shepard Ferry calls Terry. Hello. Hello. This is Shepard Ferry. How are you doing, Terry? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, hey, I'm here with Banksy. Yeah, do you have any wall? Because uh, I have Banksy here and uh, I would like, and I said, what? You have who? I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, there is Banksy here. And I'm like, where are you? And Terry reacts. Now, if, ter- if this is real, Terry reacts exactly the way I would, 100%. which is like this. So Shepard's like, hey, I'm standing here. Like, Banksy is right here, right now. Can you come hang? And it was ju- there's just now, like, a Terry-shaped hole in the wall. And he <laughs> leaves, and he speeds. He's like, I wasn't even, like, I didn't give a shit about red lights. Red light, I stay. I, I, I go through the red light. I was driving like crazy. I mean, I'm lucky I didn't get caught that day. So then... 
once he's there, and the thing is, Terry, I think I have no chill for the most part. <laughs> Terry has <laughs> negative chill because he meets Banksy. So this guy shows up looking like something out of the 1860s with these like huge sideburns, sweating. No. And again, like according to the story, <laughs> he gives Banksy a phone, puts $100 worth of credit on it, and is just like, I'm at your beck and call whenever yeah. you want. <laughs> what do you want? Anything you want, what do you want? I drive you if you need to go anywhere. Uh, uh, I'll take care of you, whatever, whatever. I, I'll be your driver. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything and anytime. And, and, and I will say, this is like the one thing that does support the idea that if, if this guy Terry is an actor, he's a great actor because he really like does seem to be reliving the moment of like meeting Banksy and how over the, I mean, it was everything he ever wanted. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I think there's a very good chance that up up until up until a certain point, it's all very real. So then Banksy, like again, this super elusive guy who doesn't trust anybody, just starts trusting Terry. Right, of course. And it's like, come to London, let's video everything. Because even more now, things are starting to disappear overnight. I always avoided cameras because what I do is in um, a bit of a legal gray area, but. I brought Terry over to London because it seemed like a good idea to start videoing the work. I mean, we had to because, you know, a lot of it was starting to disappear the next day. So I understand what, what Banksy's saying where he just really wants this documented. But according to Banksy, all of his friends are like, dude, yeah, what are you doing letting this guy in with a camera filming your every move into his studio? I mean, really? The first time Terry was filming Banksy, it was like, what the fuck is going on? I thought, you know, that nobody was allowed to do this. I felt it was a big breach of security. I want to say, like, thank God he did because, so one of the big pieces, and this has stuck with me since the first time I saw the movie, is that phone booth. That yeah. phone booth is, so it, and it, because Banksy is so much more than just a stenciler. Like, Absolutely. he really works with these, like, he's a like a, like a sculptor. And this phone booth, we see him welding this phone. It's incredible. Yeah. It's such a cool, like, pull the curtain open, which, again, is probably why Banksy just made this goddamn movie. A hundred percent. And also, you see the operation that they have. So they have this, he's got the dealer, he's got the workers, and that, that's foreshadowing for what happens with Terry in the right. end. Yeah. But they also have these, like, utility trucks that they use to transport Banksy stuff. It's the coolest operation. Yeah, it's very cool. And and you see, they like put this phone booth down and they sort of scatter and then Terry stays and like sees the people's reactions to it. And as you said, where are these people from? They're all straight out of Mary Poppins. Exactly. <laughs> They just are. <laughs> they are the nerdiest people. The one old man who's like, you know Banksy? Yeah. You know Banksy? I don't know. I mean, uh, he's a, he's, he's a, he does uh, very, very good uh, graffiti. I love that everyone's like, don't you know who Banksy yeah, is? Exactly. Like, it's It's a very, he just sort of broke through. It, it wasn't just the street art world totally. anymore. It was well, and then there's like this one like art douche on the street who's like, looks a bit like Banksy, but uh, I know he's doing a bit more installations at the moment. Oh, is he? Okay, fine. <laughs> but then Terry follows like a lady down the street to get her reaction. And what does she have to say? You just have to play it. I can't do it any justice at all. At all. Someone is annoyed with BT telephones. So when Terry gets back to the workshop with the video, that's when Banksy is like, oh, he's proven his worth. I guess Terry showed up at a time when I realized that the reaction to this stuff was, you know, one of the most interesting things about it. Because um, for me, it's an important part of the job to, to run away as, as soon as we've done it. 
but at least with Terry, we had someone hanging around afterwards who could capture some of it. So yeah, he proved he proved his worth on that project, brought something to it that we would never have had otherwise. So he goes back to L.A., right? Yeah, so he realizes that being Banksy is probably a pretty cool gig. Totally. So he wants to, I guess, try his hand at that, and he gets a, a sticker made that is a picture of himself with the camera, and it's transparent so it looks like a stencil. Right. And now he's jumping in on the bandwagon. He's putting the sticker everywhere. He has, like, massive copies of it. He's trying to do, he like, what He goes to Kinko's he... and gets, like, the huge things made. Yeah, like the uh, poor man you... Shepherd Fairy. I start to make copies, make it bigger, and starting to put it all around the city. The enjoyment of taking the glue and making the thing and going, I was like addict. It was like a spill and I just fall in it. But then he goes and like plasters over the actual Shepherd Fairy that he helped him put up. Right. I was like, I had to rewind that. I, I was know. like, that is a baller move. Yeah, that's a no dick No wonder Miss Shepherd Fairy is sour grapes to this no, guy. No, that is a dick move. Totally. Total. I'm on Team Shepherd Fairy with that one for sure. I am always on Team Shepherd Fairy. Well, I was just like so happy to see the wife again because I was like, finally, for the first time in like the whole movie, she's like, uh, hi, over here. Like, you've got a family and you've got like kids. But she doesn't say it in a naggy way at all. She <laughs> literally looks at the camera. She's like, yeah, I married this nightmare. I just wanted to remember that <laughs> we love him and we miss him. Yeah. You know, I worry. I was I worry for my kids. I worry, I worry for everybody, actually. But he, he doesn't care. He just goes and does. And he forgets he comes with a family. You know, just we need him. <laughs> so. It's like six months later and Banksy has a big show planned in L.A., right? It's called Barely Legal. Right. Kind of a great layered name. Yeah. And he, while they're getting ready, he decides like it's, you know, it's around the time of September 11th and there's all, the, all this stuff happening with Guantanamo Bay and he decides he wants to like install a like a protest art. Make a statement. Make a statement. So he, they decide they're going to do this in Disneyland. Right. And he's <laughs> Is there any other place you would stage an installation about Guantanamo Bay? No, no, hell no. Other than next to the little kitty roller coaster at Disneyland? So we see Terry, this whole where is the derpy derpy music? This whole bit is like so derpy derpy. And it's again like right in front of your face, everybody. Like yeah. so, look up from your phone and look around because shit is I happening. Know. That is so Look around, look around. <laughs> so they come into Disneyland, they get in line, and they buy tickets. And you see, this blew my mind. You see Banksy buying his ticket from somebody. Uh, can I get two adults just for Disneyland, please? These $2 is your change and your two Disneyland tickets. Somebody saw his—he couldn't have been disguising his face to buy his tickets, right? Uh, No. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions here because— you know that Disneyland is like covered in security cameras. Right. They must have been able to roll that footage back and see what this guy looks like. Well, later on, he says that he like ducks into the bathroom to change his clothes. Yeah. So he's a little aware of that. So they're walking around and Banksy sees a sign that says, This will be a great place to take your souvenir photo. So that obviously seemed like the best place to put him. Oh, right. So he's <laughs> like, it's a great place to stick a Guantanamo Bay Dummy. So this is terrifying. Ter we are watching this from Terry's perspective, and yeah. Terry is like, he is appropriately concerned. Because, like, mm. Banksy, like, goes and sits down on a bench and starts blowing up this, like, think Orange is the New Black outfit. Yeah. Like, you know, suit dummy. Yeah. And then he... With their head covered in the, the that black... Oh, it's so Back, I know. He goes in the corner and starting to blow up to, uh, to pump a doll. So he climbs the fence... 
goes into this like cactus area. You guys, it's 1.30 in the afternoon. It's broad daylight. It is crawling <laughs> with Republican tourists. <laughs> and their children. And their children. And so there, he just like walks over. And then Terry's like, he was taking, this guy was taking forever. And he put it. He attached it to the metal bars. And, and it takes time. And then you see people. Like people are like looking over like, what is this? And like, what's happening? Yeah. And then he like walks out and doesn't run. He doesn't panic. And then I walked off one way and left Terry there filming it. I think it takes like 35 seconds for them to be like, we're stopping the ride, everybody. And you hear it like Terry, of course, has it on camera. <laughs> Like, don't panic, but you're the Mickey Mouse police. And then it cuts to Banksy, and he's like, I went on the Indiana Jones ride, and then I went on Pirates of the Caribbean. I went in the toilets, I changed my hat, I changed my shirt. Then I went out, and I went on the, like, Indiana Jones ride, and then when I came off that, I tried calling Terry, didn't get any answer. So then I went on Pirates of the Caribbean. Meanwhile, Terry's like, I was walking towards the exit, and... Like the men in black, like a pounce. It was on like him. one and then two yeah. and then three and then four. I'm walking to leave. One guy is behind me, two guys behind me, three guys behind me, four guys behind me. And one moment, pam, 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 pam from every corner. They they hold me. And so they uh, detain him, ironically, for four hours and question him. And according to Terry, what happens is that he, like, fake erases the footage on his camera. They're right. like, what's on your camera? And he's like, nothing. I don't know this person. I have no idea what's going on. And so then he he explains that, like, he was like, but I'm totally lying to them. I'm completely lying. I, of course, know who this person is. I yeah. have hours of footage on my camera. But he, like, pretends, he, like, convinces them that he erases all the footage. He's like, I went to the menu instead. He's like, okay, show me the pictures. I take the camera. I said, look, I go in menu right away. I go and delete and I go, and the thing goes, and I go, bam, I put it down and I said, I don't have any picture on him and I don't have any proof on you. And how did he get the actual tape out of there? He stuffed it in his sock. When did you do that, Terry? Right. When did you stuff the tape in your sock? I just don't get it. No. Because if you, so you're filming and then you leave, you, you failed to mention that you then stuffed the tape in your sock and then put new tape in so there would be pictures to erase. Yeah. Like, when did you do that, Terry? The timeline is very, very murky to say the least. <laughs> but because of this, Banksy, like, now totally trusts Terry completely. So after Terry withstood interrogation from the entire Mickey Mouse security team, didn't fold, didn't buckle, he did a really good job of stashing the tape in his sock. I guess I trusted Terry with everything. He was my guy after that. Because right. he didn't snap under the pressure. He was smart enough to put the the tape in his sock. It's like, right. everyone take us. We get it. <laughs> this commercial is really great, but it's really long. So then they go back to the party. Of course, Banksy isn't there. Or is he? Is he? So he, I was going to ask you about this, about the elephant, about what your thoughts on the elephant were. The actual elephant in the room? Yeah. <laughs> Which they, was the point that was like what he, the statement he was making. So yeah. Banksy has this elephant who he has painted with children's face paint to camouflage and be the same the same um, pattern as the wallpaper in the room. Yeah. So there's literally an elephant in the room. And the news is all upset about it. Yeah. But the American news media yeah. could only see what was right in front of them and came flocking to report on the elephant in the room. 
I'm Angie Crouch. Coming up at 5.30, animal rights activists are outraged over an art exhibit involving a live painted There's elephant. There's an elephant in the room. A problem. Um, I mean, I hope that he took care of the elephant. I hate seeing that. I hate yeah, thinking that, like, was there, was this elephant not treated well? I didn't like that they didn't go into that Banksy wasn't like hey so you know I had a handler and everything was all good but you saw you see Banksy in the background do you remember that part where like where like Banksy is actually blur Banksy's face but he's there attending to the elephant and like no one's paying any attention yeah and somewhere like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt literally you guys right Christina Aguilera like everybody like what's his uh Ewan McGregor I think right totally um and it's just like everyone in the universe is there and Banksy's like, hey guys. Yeah, and no one's paying any attention. Next to the elephant in the room. Get it? Exactly. Layers <laughs> upon layers upon layers. So it's six months later and Terry's bouncing on a trampoline. <laughs> what else would he be doing? It's not like he has kids to take care of or a fake right. documentary to keep up. It's totally. like he doesn't have anything to do. Well, because at this point, so Banksy makes the point that like since Banksy's big show and now like the it's all, it's you know, we're seeing like Sotheby's and Christie's and all these auction houses. His actual phone booth that he made went for $550,000 and what? Banksy's like, "For who? Where is it? Who has the space to put that in?" I know. I know. And so Banksy's like, "Well, this was never about the money. This was always just about the art and the fun and the mischievousness of it. And, yeah. and the only person who has the, the documentary evidence of that is Terry. So Terry, it's time for you to go. You're a filmmaker. Go make your documentary. Right. Suddenly it all become about the money, but it never was about the money. So I said to Terry, right, you have the footage. You can tell the real story of what this art is about. It's not about the hype. It's not about the money. Now is the time. You need to get your film out. Terry's like, cool. Now I'm jumping on a trampoline. Right. Because Terry's like, oh, I had no plans to make a documentary. Um, So this is a little weird for me because now I have to like pretend, like find a vision and just like put all the shit together. So what he does is make like the worst documentary ever. Banksy. I love fake or real. I don't care if this is part of the prank. I love how much Banksy hates this fucking documentary. It's terrible. called life remote control which is like enough and Banksy just says it was an hour and a half of nonsense it was like someone clicking through a cable box of 900 channels which is exactly accurate yeah it's a very dystopian like it's the kind of thing that like they tie you to a chair and cut your eyelids off and make you watch in a loop a hundred zillion percent and Banksy's like um you know it was at that point I realized that maybe Terry wasn't actually a filmmaker and he was maybe just someone with mental problems who happened to have a camera. So Banksy's big idea is he's like, you know what? I've never made a documentary before, but I need this documentary to be made. So I thought, you know, maybe I could have a go. I mean, I don't know how to make a film, but obviously that hadn't stopped Terry. But I needed him out of the way in order to do it. So I said, why don't you go and put up some more of your posters and uh, make some art? You know, have a little show. And Terry falls for it. Terry's like, okay, that's a great idea. Like, this is all nonsense. The more I talk about it, the more I'm like, this is all ridiculous. Right, and then it becomes the big, whatever. Whatever, we'll get there. So Terry's like, great, like an assignment? Awesome. (laughs) Banksy had just given him what he considered to be a direct order to put down his camera and become a street artist himself. I think he, he put me into street art because I like what he did. Me as respecting him, 
you know? Having him to push you to do street art, I just went and like, it, it was not even a push, it was like an enjoyment to get pushed, you know? And so then Terry now decides that all art is about brainwashing. So now he's Mr. <laughs> Brainwash or <laughs> so AKA stupid. MBW. Obey is about brainwashing. Banksy is about brainwashing. So I use MBW and I am Mr. Brainwash. In in pursuit of putting on this big art show, he's like, I have to do the miniature version of what all these other now big stars did. So I have to like run all over LA and like put up all these like ridiculous art things and tag everything and I'm Mr. Brainwash and whatever. And so like, it's just, it's so stupid. And he, he's an idiot. He spills paint all over his truck and he's just a dummy. Yeah, and he remortgages his house, his business. He sells everything. When Banksy had suggested to Terry that he make some art, he could never have imagined just how far things would go. Terry had now remortgaged his business and sold off whatever he could to invest in a huge studio, screen printing equipment, and a full-time staff capable of producing MBW pieces on a commercial scale. He's like, now if I'm going to do this art show, I'm going to do the grandest art show in the world. He hires a staff of like 12 people. This like full-service, massive screen printing studio. Right. And it's just like, yeah. your you're four kids... And Art, your like, poor wife. Hi, like, right, exactly. What is happening? And so he, we go inside his world a little bit because his whole his whole thing is like, well, I'm not going to make, the, I'm not going to deign to make the art. I'm going to hire, I'm going to come with the idea, and they're going to make it for me. And they do. And they do. Terry goes through the books. He finds the paintings that he likes, and he comes up with the ideas on what to change them. And we uh, scan the image, and then. Photoshop. And then we see him just working towards this major art show. Life is beautiful. Like, and it's all a nightmare. Terry also falls off a ladder and breaks his foot. <laughs> so there's this image of him, like, of someone that he hired pushing him around in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> this is fake. I know. Like, I know. we get it. He's a zany, kooky guy who just, like, I under I understand it. It's a little heavy-handed, Banksy. I usually love your work, but it's a little, bit, little heavy-handed. In this disgusting, dirty cast, by the way. It's I, fucking his vile. His foot is turning It's green. disgusting, but art. So then even, like, Banksy hears, like, oh, he broke his foot. This is a mess. So Banksy, like, throws him a promoter. Like, Banksy's promoter yeah, 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 totally. is now involved in Life is Beautiful just to make it really work well. Myself and my girlfriend Sonia went down there and we figured out what he needed along with a few of the show's other producers we made lists of what needed to happen I was very curious how the hell he was actually going to finish it and pull it off and realized he didn't have a clue of a lot of the final logistics that needed to happen. So then, what's his name? Terry reaches out to Shepard Fairey to get a quote. And this is where we see Miss Shepard Fairey is just in a bad mood about the whole thing. He's like, I didn't want to do it. He asked me to promote the show for him, to give him a quote for a press release, to send it to my mailing list, to post it on my website, and really to validate what he was doing. And I was uncomfortable with that, but I said that I would do it. And then he gets a quote from Banksy, and Banksy's like, oh, what's the harm in sending a quote? Well, I didn't think there was any harm in it, so I wrote him a sentence, and I emailed it off. But Banksy could never have guessed what Terry had in mind for his modest contribution. He blows up this quote 
like the size of half a building and like drapes it over the side of a building. It's a perfect. Don't tell me, Banksy, you didn't know what, exactly what you were doing. The quote is, Mr. Brainwash is a force of nature. He's a phenomenon. And I don't mean that in a good way. Right. That is phenomenal. Yeah. That is a. That Can is someone a, say that about this podcast, please? That is a perfect, perfect endorsement. Banksy, don't for a second try to act like you did not know exactly what exactly. you were doing. So then that press, of course, the LA Times comes and they do a story on it and then you know but the whole time you're seeing it like it's it's a mess like the whole he rents out like 15,000 square feet in the old CBS offices and it's just a mess it's the like, walls are empty nobody has anything then right. at one point he's just like you listen to me now and it's like well <laughs> fucking tell us what where you want your gallery it opens in four seconds <laughs> right so it's the day of the show y'all and it's totally. <laughs> and it's like eight hours to go nothing's on the walls he freaks out the pressure was starting to show okay okay there is one thing one thing one thing we're gonna have a meeting one day starting now starting now this second I'm running the show you're not giving order to anybody right now I'm running the show you listen to me okay Anybody's listening to me now, okay? okay? I wrote in all caps. I was like, I kind of like the art he's making. Like, I'm kind of into it. I, I did like the one I liked, Bat Poppy. <laughs> that one I really liked. He was like, you know, it's like before Batman, it's his poppy. It's like Bat Poppy. Bat Poppy. 1893. It's before Batman. It's Bat Poppy. You know, the poppy is... Is the father of the grandfather of Batman. But it's it, you guys. If you if you haven't watched it, it's just like one of those old, old, old timey photos from the 1800s where it's like all brown and it's just. I th- I was just like, all right, all right. Um, so like whatever. It the art thing opens and he does. It's gangbusters. He makes like a million dollars. He literally sells a million dollars. Yeah. That night it was supposed to be open for five days. It stays open for two months. Like he can't. He sells every last piece. Yeah. Life is beautiful. Stayed open for a further two months. And as word about MBW spread, his pieces appeared in galleries and shows around the world, from Miami and New York to London, Paris, and even Beijing. Well, and this is what's so cool in the end is that, like, so if, if like, if street art was meant to turn the art world on its head, then which it did, then Terry turned the street art world on its head. And Banksy has this great line where he's like, I don't think Terry played by the rules in some ways. But then there aren't supposed to be any rules. The other great Banksy quote is where he's like... He's kind of the rightful heir to Andy Warhol, in a way. Andy Warhol made a statement by repeating famous icons until they became meaningless. But he was extremely iconic in the way that he did it. But then Terry really made them meaningless. My my <laughs> other one is... Um, because the end, the last 10 minutes is just like everyone throwing shade at this guy. There's no one like Terry, even if his art does look like everybody else's. Yeah. Ooh, burn, Banksy. And Shepard Fairey, of course, has a quote because she is pissed. How do I feel about being partially responsible for creating Mr. Brainwash? I feel like um, I had the best intentions. I think even when you have the best intentions, sometimes things can go awry to put a huge body of work together and sort of try to you know, come out as if he is a, a fully formed artist ready for the world stage, I think was a little premature. He calls Terry's collectors suckers. Yeah. He's like, if these suckers want to buy this art, like that's on them or whatever, but hey. 
I'm just like, oh man, Chef, you're doing great, man. I know. Even if the Associated Press is suing you for your awesome Obama <laughs> image. That's true. Banksy's really, I guess, last, I think it's the last quote of the movie is he used to, he says he used to encourage everyone he met to create and make art. I mean, I always used to encourage everyone I met to make art. I used to think everyone should do it. I don't really do that so much anymore. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode. Thanks. You guys, please, please, please keep those iTunes reviews coming. We're trying to get to 200. That's our dream. That would be amazing. And we love you so much. Yeah. What are we doing next, girl? We are doing Captivated, The Trials of Pamela Smart. Yes, we are. I remember this trial like it was yesterday. Really? I do. Because I grew up in the area-ish. Oh. Yeah. So it was a big, I mean, it was a big deal everywhere, but it was like a really big deal where I grew up. I haven't watched this since it came out. I'm excited to revisit it. Yeah. You guys follow us on Twitter. We're at True Crime Obsessed. No ED, but you know what does have an ED? What, girl? The website, truecrimeobsessed.com. Yes. <laughs> Here's the trailer for Captivated, The Trials of Pamela Smart, and stay tuned for our outtakes after the promo. Oh, boy. There's someone... Passed out. I don't know. A girl is hysterical in here. She just ran over her husband. It's passed out. If you know why he's passed out there, ma'am. Husband's on the way. Do you know why he's passed out? No, we don't know. May 1st, 1990. 24 year old Gregory Smart has been shot in the head. May 1st, 1990. 24 year old Gregory Smart is accused of plotting her husband's death. You got anything to say this morning? Are you involved in this murder? She plotted the murder of her husband along with three teenage boys. All along, she has said she would welcome the start of her trial so she could prove her innocence. Well, Pamela Smart is about to get her wish. This is going to be the first trial ever covered live on television. No one had ever seen a television show where you watched real life play out in real time. There's no soap opera to this. It's real stuff. Nothing happens, and it's totally fascinating. Litigation as entertainment was just exploding, and it exploded through this trial. From Boston, from New Hampshire, from all over New England, and then it's national news. In fact, around the world is, is trying to cover this story. It is gigantic. That all of New Hampshire, if not the nation, is inflamed at the appearance of Pamela Smart. So, light back on. Terry reacts. Now, if, ter- if this is real, Terry reacts exactly the way I would. 100%. Which is like this. <laughs> we have to play the Skyler sisters. <laughs> That's what he does. So, <laughs> so <and> Terry. Terry. <laughs> Wait, why is that the best moment on the entire cast album? Because it's insane. It's so good. And it's also like, where's Peggy, everybody? She was in the first <laughs> round of the Skylar Sisters. Like, where the fuck is Peggy? There was at one point someone I knew who was like, I know who Banksy is. Oh, I was like, sh- no, shut your face up. Like, who, no, you don't. I want a name. Who told you that? I'm not going to say who it is. <laughs> but someone was like, no, I, uh, he uh, went into this shop that I, I'm like, no, he didn't. Yeah. Because no, he he's didn't. not going to be like, hi, everybody. I'm, I'm Banksy. Banksy. Hello. Like, that is not a thing that he does. <laughs> He's like, I finally trained him not to turn the camera on at two in the morning when I'm on a rooftop vandalizing. This bright light. He's like, dude. 
<laughs> with the light. With the light. Just try to keep it under wraps, man. It's like he turns on the camera. He's like, we're up here. Yeah. Hey, we're everybody. <laughs> he, Banksy points out that the reaction to the work is maybe the most important thing about the work, right. but they never get to see it. Yes. So now he gets to see it. Right. Which again is why he probably just had this fucking movie made. And it's a commercial for Banksy. Yeah. <laughs> So look up from your phone and look around because shit is I happening. Know. That is so... Look around, look around. <laughs> History is happening. In Manhattan. In Disneyland. New York. <laughs> New York.